Strong Bodies 12 Ways. Or at least strong opinions. Hello everybody, this is Vance. I'm back with another VegCast, the 12th VegCast so far, and it's been a long time coming since uh, this is supposed to be the April VegCast, but it's not coming out until the first week of May. I apologize for that. Uh, Many different events uh, caught up with me, and I did not get to it in time. Then I got sick and thought, well, I can't record now. Uh, now that I have a cold and I sound awful, but uh, I'm recording anyway now because uh, I have to get this out before this weekend due to the theme of this edition of VegCast, uh, which is our coverage of the Genesis Awards in Los Angeles, uh, where we flew out to back in March. And so you'll be hearing uh, some of that. Uh, The Genesis Awards are going to be telecast on Animal Planet. Uh, this Saturday, May 6th. So I wanted to get this out to give you a little preview and maybe provide a little bit of the backstage uh, feel of the whole event. At any rate, we have that, uh, as well as some interesting musical selections and a science fact that is more or less a summary from a government report that I'm betting you have not heard about just yet. That's all coming up on this edition of Alright, we're going to kick this off as we often do with a musical number but first I'm just going to uh, weigh in on the news of the day that uh, a consortium of soft drink makers has voluntarily agreed to uh, stop marketing their products to school-aged children in schools or at least to phase this out. It's still not completely clear to me what they have to do, what they may do, what they wish that they could do, and so forth. But generally, the the concept is positive that sodas, soft drinks, sugar water, and so forth, are now going to be phased out of uh, school vending machines and uh, cafeterias. Uh, But I would like to point out that uh, an exception for this in terms of getting everything down underneath a certain calorie level uh, and under a certain sugar level is uh, that flavored milks will still be sold. That's right, plenty of chocolate milk, uh, which has a higher sugar content than many sodas and certainly higher than uh, any diet soft drinks, uh, which, of course, is going to continue to contribute to uh, America's obesity problem, which is the stated uh, rationale behind this whole initiative. So uh, I'll be there clapping on the sidelines and cheering them on as soon as we get out of uh, the school vending machines. The beverages that are actually uh, helping to make American kids fatter and fatter, and certainly chocolate milk, I don't think that you can make any case that that is slimming our children down. Uh, So if you want to just put plain milk in there and see how well that sells, please be my guest. And then we'll see about the whole concept of milk as something that uh, 
naturally appeals to kids. All right, that's enough of that particular proselytizing. And now over to this proselytizing right here. if you're not already familiar with that song, and rightfully so. Uh, we will find out who that is very shortly. For now, we're going to turn to our centerpiece, which is the 20th Annual Genesis Awards, which will be broadcast this Saturday, May 6th on Animal Planet. Check your local listings on that. Uh, I was down there, down there, out there in uh, Los Angeles, happened to be out there for uh, my dinner with Ariana Huffington, as you may recall, uh, for that uh, Dick Cheney quail hunt game. And this was the same weekend, so I went and covered it from the red carpet, got uh, some of the people coming through. Unfortunately, most of them were fabulous TV stars uh, whose work I was not familiar with, so I would avoid uh, talking to them, but there were plenty of uh, people who got uh, good quality uh, footage and quotes from them that you can find elsewhere. 
uh, but I did uh, get kind of a flavor of the event. Let's uh, just get some of that now. We're here at the Genesis Award, waiting at the red carpet for the celebrities and activists and everybody to show up. And I think it's safe to say that in terms of audio-visual equipment, I probably have the least with me of anybody here. Uh, just in terms of the size, I'm standing here with my eye river, feeling a little bit out of place. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'll check back in with you in a little bit. Yeah, well, that wasn't the only reason I was feeling a little bit out of place, uh, being, as far as I know, the only person covering the event on the red carpet for a podcast, per se. Although, uh, I don't know, there were a lot of uh, different uh, media organizations. There are camera people from local uh, news, uh, national news, uh, some radio people, uh, some print people, and so forth. Uh, and as it turned out, right after I made that uh, bald declaration of having the least uh, audio equipment or least uh, equipment in terms of uh, the size, because I just had this tiny eye river, uh, I saw a guy, a, a British guy, about two spaces down, who did have a uh, tiny uh, portable recorder that was just about as small as as mine. So uh, in the in the size isn't everything uh, sweepstakes. It looked like uh, we may as well just leave that behind. So let's check back in for a little more audio from the red carpet of the Genesis Awards at the Beverly Hilton in beautiful Beverly Hills, Los Angeles. Well, things are heating up now. It's getting very exciting. Uh, Kelly Bishop uh, from the Gilmore Girls is uh, approaching. She's being stopped by TV cameramen and reporters. Behind her is James Cromwell. I'm going to see if we can talk to him. Uh, and it's just, we'll see the Steve Valentine down there. Well, as you can tell, much of the fun so far was in looking down the line, seeing who is coming, and seeing what revelations uh, you could garner just from looking at people without even getting to interview them uh, yet, or in some cases, ever. Uh, but here's one interesting observation. And, you know, you see a lot of pictures of Moby from the front, and you, you never realize how... Uh, far his forehead sticks out. I mean, he's got a very prominent forehead. Um, it's not it's not unattractive or anything. It's just it makes his head look a lot more uh, imposing than his persona in a lot of the photos where he seems to affect a meek and unassuming uh, persona. So uh, we're waiting for Moby. He's got a very nice ensemble with a black suit, white shirt, black tie, and uh, blue sneakers. I'm trying to read what brand, but I cannot see what brand they are. But he'll be along shortly. Yes, but before he was along, we got Ben Stein, uh, who the only association I have for was uh, seeing him in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and the TV show Win Ben Stein's Money. So I uh, tried to spin that into an interesting query. Win Ben Stein's Money and everything. I wondered if you had any uh, ideas of how to apply 
like in a new multimedia way perhaps uh, some of the principles to get across uh, some of these issues about animal welfare. Well, I think some smart person should get inside a slaughterhouse with a camera and show on the internet what it's like inside a slaughterhouse. I think people have a lot of uh, uh, second thoughts about eating as much meat as they eat. Well, people do have that kind of footage on the internet. The question is how to get people to see that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's out there, but the question is, is there any way to to get that into a mainstream format? Because obviously, you're not going to show that on television. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. They might show it on television. I mean, in a world where they can show the fear factor, I think they can show it. Okay. Well, do you have uh, anything? Coming up, that's uh, that's addressing. I'm going to do something on CBS. Uh, I do a commentary on CBS Sunday Morning News, right. and I'm planning not the next one, it's the next one to that congressional pay, but the one after that to do one if I can, if they'll let me, about the rights of chimpanzees after they're done with laboratory experiments, their rights to live a quiet old age in a peaceful, comfortable surroundings. Right. Okay, and that's going to be on I'm Sunday be, after next. No, no, it'll probably be in about five Sundays. Five Sundays. Well, we'll watch for that. Thank you. Thank you for talking with us on VegCast. I should note that Ben Stein has a similar uh, ensemble to Moby. Uh, he does not have a white shirt on. He has a light pink shirt. Um, but he does have a nice suit on, nice uh, dark blue suit, dark blue tie. And uh, I guess they're kind of tannish. Uh, sneakers on. So, a little bit of a, an affinity there. A little affinity between Ben Stein and Moby in uh, their fashion sense. Uh, and I guess five Sundays, gosh, that could very well be this Sunday. Or it might have been last Sunday. At any rate, that's uh, Ben Stein's commentary on the chimpanzees, which didn't exactly answer the question I was asking, uh, but I asked a very similar question to Moby, uh, and Moby gave me a very pointed and uh, very thoughtful answer that also didn't uh, quite answer the question, but gosh, I was talking to Moby, man. I just had a question for you about multimedia, because uh, I know you you do a lot of different things. You've got uh, working on that Southland Tales, you do those live shows with Jonathan Ames and everything. Um, I was wondering if you thought there might be a uh, potential for multimedia music and other arts kind of intertwined to get across an animal rights message in a way that uh, that mainstream media usually doesn't. Uh, well, it's a, it's a very big question, and I I honestly I think it's a very good question. I wouldn't really know how to answer it because the the nature of media and multimedia as you referred to it, it's so complicated and it's in a, such a state of flux that I don't I don't know if anyone can speak knowledgeably about the current state of well, that. Maybe there is a way to take this I'm, new medium. I'm, I'm sure there is, but that it's it's not something that is going to be formulaic. It's something that's always adaptive. Right. And whether it's blogging or whether it's games or whether it's music or short films or things that people can send back and forth on their cell phones. Mm-hmm. That's, what, I mean, that, that's why it's almost impossible to speak specifically to that. Thank you for talking.
Well, Moby was being hustled away uh, toward the VIP section, uh, but I did actually manage to get one more question answered, which I will mention later. Uh, but right at uh, this moment, James Cromwell uh, stepped up, and the very first thing that he mentioned was how small my <laughs> recording device was. The smallest thing I ever saw. It's an MP3 recorder. Ah, I ask you a quick question. Yeah. I know you, you get questions about Babe all the time. Uh -huh. um, and I know you, uh, you're you largely uh, part of the reason that movie was such a great success. And I wondered if you have heard any talk or if you've instigated any talk about uh, making movies out of any of Dick King Smith's other books. Because I've been reading them to my kids and they all there are a lot of them that have um, a good vegetarian message. And I wondered, had you had you thought about that? Have you read that, any of his other stuff, or is this, that this is the thing something that, they just come to you yeah. and say, "Do this"? This is the thing that I don't understand about Hollywood. You make a film, Babe, that makes four hundred million dollars. Right. You make the second one, which is arguably almost as good as the first film, a wonderful film. You manage to destroy the opening of it through cowardice. Destroy the franchise, and you only make two. You couldn't get anybody in this city to touch Babe again. When you say destroy the opening through cowardice, are you talking about the particular marketing of the the movie or the scheduling of it? The because basically when George presented them with the with the the film, right. and they looked at it, they said, "My God, this is not for children. This will scare them to death." In actual fact, the people it was going to scare was adults, right. and adults should be scared. They should be afraid of the issues that are in that movie, which is vivisection, right. uh, and the and our our incredible cruelty to animals at every level. Our domestic animals, which we uh, are are incinerated and gassed at an incredible rate. Well, let me just ask you, um, even if Babe, as a franchise, may be dead, I mean, as a brand, Babe, you know, yeah. if people, if you don't mention people, you know, this is also by Dick King Smith, yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a book called Ace that also has a pig that, who, who discovers what, what's going on with uh, the raising of pigs, there's a book called Pigs Might Fly, where a pig becomes a hero, and that was to be our third one, that was to be, yeah, and so, nobody will touch any of those? The problem is, of course, it has to be CGI. You need an incredible number of animals. You need an animal trainer that has to do all the animals. You have to arrange for the breeding so that the, they get always. They always have a group of pigs coming on because they only last three weeks. So it's any independent produce has to be done with a studio, and the studio is going to look at it, especially if George Miller does it, and say, you know, we won't be able to control what George comes up with, and if he sticks a little message in there. That has anything to do with the reality of animal issues, we're not going to be able to sell our pictures to all those little kitties. The kids would love it. Right. It's I know, the, my kids love yeah. the books. It's the adults would love it too. Yeah. It's the adults, basically, that are unconscious and unaware. Well, thank you for speaking frankly and candidly, and thank you for everything that you've done. And frankly and candidly, that's about uh, the extent of my uh, recorded interviews on the red carpet. I spoke uh, briefly to Linda Blair, uh, who was in a terrific hurry once she got uh, to the very end of uh, the red carpet, and uh, it was getting to be time for the awards to start, so we 
uh, set up a future date to do a phone interview with her for a future VegCast. And at that point, uh, there was dinner, which uh, was vegan and was good, uh, breaded uh, tofu croquettes, rice patties, egg eggplant, and mushroom stew kind of dish, uh, parsley couscous, and olives, spinach, rolls, and so forth, uh, and a great chocolate cake with strawberries on top of it instead of strawberry flavoring uh, throughout the chocolate, a personal uh, bugaboo of mine. So that was delicious, and then the, uh, the awards were starting, and uh, the awards show, as you will see if you watch it on Animal Planet, uh, was uh, a celebration of uh, the ways in which Hollywood and in which the mainstream media can uh, kind of convey pro-animal issues uh, and anti-animal cruelty uh, issues uh, to the uh, mostly American public. And um, one thing you may not see, uh, because he mentioned that he would probably not be on included in the Animal Planet edit of the show was Dan Peraro, the cartoonist who does Bizarro, uh, who uh, gave what I thought was a, a fantastic speech uh, about uh, veganism and how a lot of the people there are, uh, kind of pat themselves on the back for all the great work they do helping uh, domestic cats and dogs and so forth, but then uh, go ahead and eat meat or uh, eat, uh, drink milk, eat ice cream and so forth. And uh, one of his uh, great quotes from the evening was, going vegan should be the first thing you do for animals, not the last. Uh, and I thought uh, that was pretty inspiring. So uh, I look forward to talking to Dan Peraro also at some point, although it seems kind of funny for two cartoonists to be doing uh, a conversation that's completely uh, non-visual, but we'll find some way to work that in a future VegCast. So that's the 20th annual Genesis Awards. Gretchen Weiler started the whole uh, Genesis Awards in the ARC Trust, and she uh, retired as of this uh, telecast. So uh, we will see where they go with uh, that awards show and that whole uh, enterprise from there, but we'll be wishing them well. And uh, at this point, we will turn to our science fact. Science. Our science fact this time around is a story entitled USDA Gives Up Looking for Origin of Latest BSE Cow. Stop me if you heard this already, uh, but the U.S. Department of Agriculture has closed its investigation into the latest case of mad cow disease without discovering where the animal was born or further evidence to back up claims the animal was more than 10 years old. Kenneth Angel, a USDA representative in Alabama, said during a March press conference, remember that one, that finding the cow's origin was viewed as extremely important because that is where the cow was likely infected through the feed it ate. The FDA investigated cattle feed producing companies near where the infected cow was found in Alabama. Even though it is an unknown if the animal was born and raised in Alabama. 
So they uh, didn't find anything in the feed. They didn't find any cows. Story goes on to note that if FDA could find the producer of the tainted feed that infected the cow, it might be able to find how widely the feed was distributed. So just to recap on this particular scientific inquiry, we have a mad cow that apparently got BSE from tainted feed. We have no idea how widely the feed was distributed, where the feed came from, uh, where the animal came from, or even whether the animal was born uh, after the FDA ban on bovine material, on, sorry, some bovine material in the uh, cattle feed. Uh, so we don't know any of these things, and uh, you'd think this might be a story, but I think the story stopped back in March when they said they were going to leave no stone unturned in order to get these answers. So the fact that they haven't got the answers is not quite uh, worthy of mainstream scrutiny. It only deserves and receives scrutiny here on our Science Fact.
Yes, the unmistakable sound of the great Moby here on VegCast. That is uh, from his recent album, 18, that is Rafters. And the previous track that we heard was also Moby from Animal Rights. That was Someone to Love. Uh, I just thought I would throw that in uh, to see uh, what you thought of Moby uh, without knowing it was Moby. Of course, that was early Moby. uh, And it's an interesting album, Animal Rights, in that uh, very few of the songs seem to have much to do with what we consider the term animal rights to mean. But uh, they do a lot seem to have to do with family and uh, relationships, uh, especially uh, pain that can be caused in relationships, and uh, have uh, a way of uh, making a correspondence, uh, if you view the lyrics through the prism of animal rights, between uh, the kind of familial relations that we have as humans and animals have with each other or uh, in uh, families with humans. Uh, So I would recommend checking that out. And of course, uh, the second track was to give you some of the more tried and true Moby sound that uh, we all have come to know and love. And I'm playing Moby on VegCast because the other question that I asked him was uh, if I could play something of his on VegCast. And his answer was, go ahead and play it. Just go ahead and play it. Uh, So Moby is uh, officially the coolest for uh, letting us play his tunes on VegCast. And uh, that's just about it for this time around. And we will have another VegCast in May. Uh, Remember, this was the April VegCast, and uh, we will have one later this month, but I'll get out of here for now. And thanks to Moby, thanks to uh, the people at the Genesis Awards and at the Humane Society of the United States for uh, letting us uh, get into the uh, red carpet there at pretty much the last minute to cover that for VegCast. And uh, we'll have a lot of good stuff next time, too, so uh, come on back for more VegCast goodness. And until that time, I'm Vance. Now get out there and live like you mean it. Veg-cast.